On this episode of the Blue Jacketeer podcast, we will be covering chapter 8 of the Corman Manual. Welcome to the Blue Jacketeer podcast, where we help you prepare for the Navy-wide advancement exam by covering study material created by highly qualified sailors. Learn more about what we have to offer at www.bluejacketeer.com. Welcome back to the BlueJacketeer.com podcast for Hospital Corpsmen. I'm Taylor Larson. Here at Blue Jacketeer, we aim to bring you the tools you need to be successful on the Navy-wide advancement exam. On this episode, we will continue with the Hospital Corpsman Manual, covering Chapter 8. Be sure to pay attention, because on the next episode, you will be quizzed on what you learned today. Without further delay, let's get started. Sit back, relax, and listen up. This is Chapter 8 of the Hospital Corpsman Manual, Oral Pathology. Oral pathology is an important area to be familiar with in a corpsman's career, even if you're not a dental technician. Almost all corpsmen will serve in some operational capacity at one time or another, and being familiar with some fundamentals of the mouth and its common diseases can be key to early identification of a potentially serious issue. Oral pathology is defined as the science and study of the nature, causes, and development of oral diseases. We'll talk about some of the abnormal conditions that patients will request treatment for. More information can be found in Chapter 24 of the Hospital Corman Manual. Keep in mind, if you think you have a patient with any of the conditions we discuss, you must notify the provider. You should never make a diagnosis or tell a patient what condition they may have. That is the sole responsibility of the dental officer. We all know that dental hygiene is important, but knowing the why behind dental hygiene is key to effectively educating our patients, and it starts with the microorganisms already in the mouth. Your salivary glands secrete about 1,500 milliliters of saliva daily and there is an average of 750 microorganisms per milliliter. Microorganisms need a dark, moist, warm area and a good food supply to live. The temperature of your mouth sits around 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit, making it a great place for these organisms to grow. With so many microorganisms in our mouth on a daily basis, it's surprising that serious dental issues aren't more common. Dental issues typically start small, but left unchecked and untreated, these guys can quickly turn into something nasty. Some oral lesions are easy to identify, and you won't need an x-ray or even a dental explorer to identify them. Others present below the oral mucosa and will require a bite wing radiograph to see. Oral lesions are defined as any pathological or traumatic disorder of tissue that creates a loss of function of the area affected. Think wounds, sores, or any general tissue damage from disease or injury. We'll start below the surface of the mouth, or the oral mucosa, with abscesses, cysts, and ulcers. Abscesses are a local collection of pus, often confined, and commonly caused by a bacterial infection. A cyst is an enclosed pouch or sac containing fluid, or semi-solid material. 
Ulcers are a disruption of the superficial covering of the mucosa, or skin, caused by biting, denture irritation, toothbrush injury, viruses, or other irritants. Next, we'll cover two elevated lesions, vesicles and hematomas. These will appear slightly above the surface of the oral mucosa. Vesicles present as a small elevation that can contain fluid and will usually rupture when in the mouth, leaving an ulcer where the fluid pocket was. We all know that a hematoma is a bruise, but for studying for the test, we want to emphasize that they are localized, typically have well-defined borders, and will change to a darker color as time passes. The last group of lesions we'll cover are non-elevated lesions. These are simply on the surface of the mucosa and are the easiest to identify. Petechiae are round, pinpoint, non-raised, purplish-red spots caused by mucosal hemorrhage. Echimosis are large, purplish-red areas caused by blood under the mucosa and can turn to a blue or yellow color. Now, dental caries are a whole different beast. These are more advanced dental conditions caused by a microbial process that starts on the surface of the teeth and eventually can break down the enamel, dentin, and cementum. In rare cases, it can even cause pulp exposure. Breaks in the tooth can expedite the process of the bacteria invading the tooth and are referred to as a carious lesion or a cavity. Cavities are a result of tooth decay, when the hard surfaces of the tooth are being destroyed. Tooth decay has been linked to streptococci and other acid-producing bacteria. Decalcification of the enamel, the first step in tooth decay, is caused by bacterial plaque adhering to the smooth surfaces of the teeth and acid from food debris bacteria being trapped in pits and fissures. Dental caries can be spotted early by looking for chalky white spots on the enamel, which is the beginning of the decalcification process. Without proper dental hygiene, this spot may become stained and even take on a dark appearance. As you can imagine, pit and fissure caries can be harder to notice, as the white spot will be less noticeable than if the surface were smooth. A dental explorer can be used in either case by placing the point over the surface and identifying the rough portion of the tooth. There are times when the surface area of the tooth is not progressed past the decalcification stage. When this happens, the carious lesion is called incipient. Other times, the decay may stop during the spread across the enamel. This is called an arrested carious lesion. These areas are typically dark and sometimes are even hollowed out. A dental explorer passed over this area will feel hard to the touch, and if it's an active decay, the explorer can even sink into the decay, into the tooth, if the caries are not arrested or restored with a filling, they can spread into the pulp of the tooth, requiring a root canal. Bite wing radiographs should be used to find interproximal dental caries, or caries between the teeth, 
Like with most treatments for a medical issue, fillings are not 100% guaranteed to fix the issue. When another cavity has occurred in the tooth, when there was already a filling or restoration treatment, it is called a recurrent carry. Some of this can rest on the dental officer's technique, and sometimes it can be because of an older restoration simply breaking down. Improper cavity preparation, when the dentist was unable to remove all of the decay in the tooth before restoration, and inadequate cavity restoration, when there isn't a seal and there's a space between the restoration and the tooth, are common reasons for recurrent caries. Next, we have carious lesions, a combination of some of what we've talked about already. These carious lesions can either be of pit and fissure type, or a smooth surface type, depending on its location. Pit and fissure carious lesions develop in small depressions on the surface that are hard to keep clean of food and plaque. Smooth surface caries have a few places where they are prone to occur, specifically the proximal surface, or gingival third of facial and lingual surfaces on teeth. Again, radiographs should be used to identify these. We're slowly getting through the layers of the tooth now, and we need to talk about the pulp and its potential diseases. Pulp is living tissue. It is vascular tissue protected by dentin. The pulp can still be injured by thermal changes, carious lesions from microorganisms, and mechanical trauma. Pulposis refers to any disease involving the dental pulp. Some common diseases include pulpasia, pulpitis, periapical abscesses, and necrosis. Now to start off, pulpagia simply refers to pain in the dental pulp, and typically happens after a restoration. Think of this as muscular soreness after a shot. It doesn't happen to everyone, but it does happen. A tooth with pulpasia can become sensitive to touch, temperature changes, and sweet or sour foods. If you have a patient that is complaining of a short shooting pain in their tooth, especially if it increases while lying down or walking upstairs, they all point to pulpasia. This can be caused by a bacterial infection from caries or fractured teeth. Microorganisms can invade the pulp and cause severe damage, which leads to a pressure buildup in the canal. Patients will typically complain of a dull ache, but it can also manifest as a more severe pulsating pain. With severe pulpitis, the dentist can remove all or a portion of the pulp of the injured tooth. A periapical abscess is when the pulp becomes inflamed, and a small, pus-like abscess forms in the pulpal canal. This can spread out through the apex, or point, of the tooth and into the bone. If the abscess gets big enough, pressure from the inflammation and pus may cause the tooth to be pushed up higher in the socket. Patients can complain of a tooth feeling high when biting, and being very sensitive to touch. Bone loss can occur around the apex of the tooth if left untreated. Now, when you look at a periapical abscess on an x-ray, the abscess and bone loss at the apex will cause a radiolucency and will look like a grape. 
The course the pus from the abscess follows, from the apex, into the jawbone, and draining into the mouth, is called a fistula. The most advanced pulpal disease is necrosis, or tissue death. Pulpal necrosis happens when there is an untreated injury to the pulp and must be treated. You can smell this patient before you see them, because decomposing tissue will produce toxins that smell foul or rotten. The patient may or may not complain of pain, since some of the nerve endings in the tooth can die with the pulp. Our next subject is the pathology of the periodontium. This is an important topic because it is the most prevalent chronic disease of humankind. Some symptoms of periodontal disease that you should be familiar with include bleeding during toothbrushing, tender or swollen gums, receding gums, teeth looking longer, loose teeth, pus in between teeth and gums, an abnormal change in the fit of partial dentures, and halitosis. Gingivitis is a common periodontal disease, but it comes in a few forms. Gingivitis is simply inflammation of gingival tissue, or gums. Marginal gingivitis is typically the result of poor oral hygiene. Main irritants are food debris and plaque on the marginal gingiva, the gums around the neck of the teeth interproximal spaces, or overhanging margins of dental restorations. Calculus deposits can also be responsible for marginal gingivitis, and can escalate to periodontitis if it is allowed to destroy the supporting structures of the tooth. Main characteristics of marginal gingivitis are swelling, loss of stipling of the attached gingiva, redness, easily retractable sulcus, and especially a tendency to bleed easily. Necrotizing ulcerative gingivitis is also known as trench mouth, or Vincent's infection. This is a nasty, nasty oral disease, where there can even be a film of necrotic white or grayish tissue around the teeth that can be wiped off. But it will leave a raw, bleeding base of gingival tissue underneath. There will be a very unpleasant odor, and even an unpleasant taste in the patient's mouth. Periodontitis is another form of periodontal disease. It results in a loss of bone that supports the teeth in periodontal pocket formation. This means it will increase the tooth mobility, making it less stable in the mouth. This can all happen because of untreated chronic marginal gingivitis. The color of the gums can become a bluish-red as the disease continues. You will also see longer-looking teeth as the tissue will gradually recede. We should briefly touch on periodontal pocket formation. As microorganisms progress to the apex of the tooth, they can form a pocket where additional calculus can form. The gingival margin, or gums, will recede toward the apex, and the pocket the tooth sits in quickly becomes shallow. If left untreated, the tooth will be lost due to the destruction of its supporting tissues. These next three can be easily confused with other diseases, so I'll stress the differences between the three. 
We've talked about periapical abscesses already, when a pocket of pus forms at the apex of the tooth and can make it feel higher in the patient's bite. The new disease is the periodontal abscess, which comes from long-continued irritation by food debris, plaque, or foreign objects like a toothbrush bristle or popcorn husk. The gingiva surrounding the area will be inflamed and swollen. Pericoronitis is the next in our similar-sounding set of three. So once I go over this, I'll tell you how I keep them separate for studying efforts. Pericoronitis is inflammation of the gingiva around a particularly erupted tooth, one that isn't able to fully expose. The mandibular third molars are most often affected. The gingival tissue surrounding the partial tooth will be acutely inflamed, and can be a result of the patient's inability to keep the area clean. It helps me to separate these three by thinking of periapical and apex sounding similar. Periodontal, pronouncing it like don'tal, meaning don't leave that corn husk in your teeth. And periocoronitis, meaning that the tooth is at the core of the inflammation. I hope that helps you in your studies. Our next overall topic we will cover is diseases of the oral soft tissues. There are a lot of diseases that can affect this area of the mouth, but we'll only talk about the most common ones and what you're most likely to see on the test. Here's a very important note as we go into the next section. Any direct contact with these diseases can present some degree of hazard to life, a threatening disease to the corpsman. Please, please, follow your facility's infection protocols always, but especially if you see anything like we're about to talk about. Recurrent aphthous stomatitis is a very complicated way to say canker sores. Most all of us are familiar with these little spots of pain, but it's important to know they can be found in the vestibular and buccal mucosa, tongue, soft palate, and floor of the mouth. The best part about recurrent aphthous stomatitis is that the cause isn't exactly known. Some studies show that physical and emotional stress can make them appear though, so make sure you get your daily dose of yoga in and maybe you'll be able to avoid them. The healing time of these ulcers is usually 7 to 10 days. Next we have viral infections. This is the part of the chapter I'm sure you've been excited to get to, so let's dive right in. We're going to touch on, but not literally, HSV and HIV and AIDS. The two herpes simplex viruses are some of the most common infectious agents, which is terrifying. HSV, of course, stands for herpes simplex virus, and oral herpes is considered HSV1, while genital herpes is considered HSV2. It's important to note that the typical area for HSV-1 is the mouth, but it can also appear on the lips and eyes. It can be transferred through saliva, but the most common mode of transportation is direct contact, and lesions do not have to be present to be infectious. One type of lesion from HSV-1 is the acute herpetic gingivostomatitis. This is identified by red, swollen gingiva, and vesicles form throughout the mouth and rupture, leaving behind painful ulcers. 
the most common of all HSV1 lesions is herpes labialis. These typically involve the lips and corners of the mouth. After these vesicles rupture, they can crust over and are sometimes called fever blisters or cold sores, since a common cold will typically coincide. Some identified causes for HSV1 are sunlight, menstruation, dental treatment, and stress or anxiety. Yet another reason to keep up that yoga program. The human immunodeficiency virus, HIV, is the main cause of the acquired immunodeficiency syndrome, AIDS. I want to stress how you and those you work with can be in danger of contracting HIV from a patient who carries the virus. You can be exposed to HIV through contaminated body fluids, exposure to blood or blood products, and equipment that was used with a carrying patient. Once again, please simply follow your facility's infection control protocol to reduce your chance of contracting anything from your patients. Oral cancers are obviously a very serious possible dental issue, so we will talk about where you can find them and what they look like. Now, oral cancers are going to be almost anywhere inside the mouth, but most often they can be found on the tongue, lower lip, and floor of the mouth. As Corman, we should know that a benign tumor is not life-threatening, but a malignant tumor is life-threatening and needs to be treated. A carcinoma will start off looking like an elevated lesion and can quickly spread to the lymph nodes. These are typically found on the oral mucosa, lips, tongue, cheeks, and floor of the mouth. Adenocarcinomas can be found on any oral region or on the salivary glands, and they typically appear as a lump or bulge underneath the oral tissue. A sarcoma will be found affecting the supportive and connective tissues, like bones of the jaw. Modern research shows that the growth of malignant tumors can be attributed to genetics, chemicals, overexposure to x-rays, excessive sunlight, and tobacco products. Cancer can spread to different areas of the body in a process called metastasis. Smokeless tobacco has an extra condition attributed to it, and it's called leukoplakia. That's when the area in the lips where the user puts the tobacco becomes a scaly white patch. Congenital disorders are disorders or health issues that are present at birth. We'll cover some congenital disorders that you may see. Anodontia is the absence of single or multiple teeth. Supernumerary teeth is a condition where the patient has one or more extra teeth. Cleft lip is when the maxillary and medial nasal processes fail to fuse. Cleft palate happens when the left and right sides of the palate shelves do not fuse and leave a space between them. Some disorders can specifically affect the teeth, and most of these will be a very familiar concept, so we'll breeze over it and make it our last section. Impaction is when a tooth is blocked by a physical barrier, like another tooth or a bone. Attrition and abrasion have one big difference between them. Attrition is a loss of substance of a tooth, caused by teeth against teeth. Abrasion is a loss of tooth structure because of external agents. 
Erosion is a loss of tooth substance from a chemical process that does not involve bacteria. This concludes our lesson for Chapter 8 of the Hospital Corman Manual. I hope that you are not only able to learn something, but also apply some of the information in this chapter to your daily duties. Remember, at Blue Jacketeer, we bring you the very best in advancement exam preparation. Don't forget to check out our next episode where we will be covering Chapter 9 of the Hospital Corman Manual. As always, I'm Taylor Larson, reminding you to stay Navy and always keep working for that next rank. Thank you.